Praise God. I wonder if you could turn in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. <clears throat> Luke's Gospel, 24. Verse, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and he went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not see know him and he said to them what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which have happened there in these days and he said to them what things and so they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be, to conde to be condemned and crucified and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes. And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished at us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, in all the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And the beginning at Moses, all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us as we talked with as he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? Did not our hearts burn within us? Lord, as we come around your word again this evening, Lord, deliver us from not having any expectation. Deliver us, Father, from just having a Sunday night mentality or deliver us from just hearing a message but Lord that we may hear the truths that you want us to see this evening Lord like you drew alongside those disciples along the road to Emmaus Lord 
to a certain extent, you had hidden yourself. But Lord, in many ways, Lord, we are, our lives, Lord, they, we, we don't see you in things. But Lord, you open their eyes, Lord, open our eyes to see the word of God this evening. Lord, God, that our hearts would burn within us, Lord, that the truth of your word may come alive, Lord, that it may be seen, the truth of who you are, Lord, and this glorious message, the hope that you have given us. Lord, will you reveal yourself to this evening? Lord, to our hearts, Lord, help me speak forth, Lord, your word. Lord, open these lips, Lord, and give ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Lord, what point is it, Lord, in just saying something for the sake of it? But, oh God, that you would anoint, Lord, that faith would rise in our hearts to hear what God has to say. Lord, we need you, Lord, more than we realize. Holy Spirit, come and take control of this gathering. Lord, that we have each one of us would have a sense of expectation. Lord, reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did not our hearts burn within us? John 12, 21, And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And truly, that is, that is the center of our lives. That is Christianity. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. What is Christianity? The world has a certain view of it. According to Wikipedia, it's the largest religion in the world, 2.4 billion. But inside of that whole spectrum or whatever you would call it, there are a raft of differences, opinions, interpretations, which could keep us talking for hours. Over the centuries, many would have started out as genuine Christian movements, uh, as, a, as in followers of Christ, that have ended up in what's known as apostasy and morphed into something completely from that which it originally was intended. Great moves, great bastions of a past age, now silent in dead religion. Creeds, statements of faith were created in order to clearly define doctrinal statements, clearly define truth because the attack was on truth right through the generations. And as time passes, we see the erosion of these things. You can understand why there were creeds, why there are statements of faith to clearly define and preserve the fundamentals of this great gospel so as to protect from heresy and false interpretations. But over time, many of these creeds, statements of faith, stances took precedence even over the word of God. The establishment would have had adhered to the rules and regulations of what man has created, which originally came from God's word in an endeavor, in an attempt to preserve truth. The Bible is God's word, and from its writings comes 
our guidance and wisdom and how to live our lives. And if it doesn't line up with the tenure of Scripture, we must cast it aside. We must always ask ourselves, well, what does the Word say? What does God's Word say with the various questions? Sometimes we think, well, is God's Word relevant to us today? It's far more relevant. It's more up-to-date. It's futuristic also from beginning to end. The Bible is the handbook for the Christian. What a privilege we have. The truths that are in there are immeasurable. There are many principles in God's Word that are good, and if we put them into practice, we reap the benefits. Just as there there are many principles in other writings that can bring beneficial reward in society, but the Bible isn't just a good book. The Bible without Jesus is just the history of Israel the various books that are contained there, the messages of the gospel, that's all it is without a revelation of who it's meant to be about and who it's pointing to. And really, at the end of the day, that's the way our meeting should be. There should be fresh revealing of this great Christ. There should be fresh manna every day of our lives at the meetings, our gatherings. We should be contributing scriptures in the word of God. God revealed this to me this morning. This song is going around in my heart. Good principles can be the enemy of the best. Using bits and pieces from God's word and other things may have certain benefits, but it's only limited. So what is the Christian? A Christian is literally a follower of Jesus Christ. The word Christian originally came from, uh, and when they were in Antioch, they were called Christians simply because they were always talking about Jesus Christ. And so they nicknamed them Christians. That's where the, uh, the word originated from. And we know that from generation to generation, people change words and they mean different things and they can mean different things in different cultures. But the true meaning of a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. So Christianity without Christ is not true Christianity. Take Christ out of this book and you're left with a book. Get Christ from this book and you have the key that unlocks treasures. Great treasures. That is our message. He is the very embodiment of truth itself. Knowing him sets you free. And, you know, to to think as Jesus walked with his disciples, as he spoke to them, as he revealed things to them, he had a betrayer in the midst. He washed his feet. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He had Pilate standing in front of him, asking him what is truth. And we can be going through the motions, we can be going, playing a religious ritual or routine and not know the truth that is in this book. Not know it. I'm talking about a union with the truth of God's word. A union with what it means that 
when Jesus says, I am the door, any man who enters through me shall be saved. She'll go in and out and find pasture. That is our message. If Christ isn't revealed in our message, well, then we're missing. We're missing something. And as we said this morning, our, our lives, they ought to reveal Christ. The fragrance of Jesus ought to come from our lives. He is the bedrock of our salvation. He's the immovable strength. Well, did a hymn writer say on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand. That's why we fellowship together, because we are his body. We, we remember his death because that's a reminder of what he has done for us. We cannot approach God without perfect righteousness. He is that righteousness. There's a scripture in, in the Old Testament. It says, bring forth your strong reasons. You know that one? I think it's, it might be in Isaiah. I'm not 100% sure. But my old pastor used to say, Jesus is the strongest reason. The work of the cross is the greatest, strongest argument before Almighty God. What a Savior. That's why we fellowship together. Now, if Christ is not revealed, then there's no Christianity. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous preacher from Westminster Chapel in London, said there is no Christianity apart from revelation. What does that mean? Apart from revelation? Well, simply put, you know, when you can be reading God's word, uh, you, you come through familiar passages and you see this, oh, I know that verse, and, but it's when it comes alive in your heart. When you, when you get it, even though you may have read it many times or maybe it's, it's an old truth that's been dumbed down by unbelief or, or lack of communion with God. But we need revelation from God's word. Yesterday's manna will not do. Yesterday's manna is moldy. Uh, did you ever come across believers that... Um, they, they just always harp back to the one day in which they got saved and they never seem to move on from that. Did you ever come across that? It's like, that's it. Is that it? We ought to have a testimony every day of our lives. Something new, something fresh. Praise God for those original testimonies. We thank God they are signposts. They are monuments, if you like, of past blessings. Songs that remind us of Jesus. These things are wonderful, but we need fresh revelation today. It's no point in gathering so much this morning and then try and use it for the rest of the week. We need it every day, every morning, every day of our lives. If our lives, our churches don't reveal Christ, then there's no life. In Acts 2, <clears throat> that's what Peter, full of faith, and the Holy Spirit preached his first gospel message. You know, sometimes I feel, I'd love to hear the message again for the first time. And that's, that's the way it ought to be. Sing to the Lord a new song. What was the response to Peter when he stood before the multitude? They were gripped in their hearts. It, didn't, it wasn't because Peter was in great form that day or that he sounded particularly articulate or easy to understand. It was because the Spirit of God was anointing the Word of God and revelation was coming from the Word. 
the, the revelation was Christ. People were gripped in their hearts. They, they came with that simple response. What must we do? They were caught in their hearts. Peter didn't say to them, well, here's a list of regulations. Do this, that, and the other. Sign here, pay your tithes, and go to church. Not knocking any of those. They're all important. But what did he say to them? He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. They had a revelation of Christ. I love that. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. While Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. It's wonderful. While, while Timothy yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. While Fiona yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. We need that today, don't we? The Holy Spirit to fuse with the Word of God. That Christ may be revealed to our societies. You are the ones that crucified him. You're the ones that put him on the cross. What must we do? There was no argument. If they, Can we do this, that, and the other? They said, what must we do as a result of hearing the guilt that was upon them? You're the ones that crucified him. Acts 8, 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things Philip that were spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and the lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. Remember Jesus when he met the woman at the well, the woman from Samaria? I prayed one time the woman in the well, so she wasn't in the well. <laughs> it was at the well. The joy, and she went back. She says, come see a man that told me all that I ever was, all that I ever did. What was the, di what was the difference in that woman's life? She, she had a, a bad reputation. Why would somebody listen to somebody with a bad reputation? What was the difference? Christ had revealed himself to her. In the most wonderful and profound way. And here is Peter, or excuse me, Philip at a later stage, after they had received the Spirit of God, now he's going down to Samaria, and Samaria explodes. He preached Christ. We'd love to see that in Balmahinch, and in Limerick, and in Dublin, and Cork, and Belfast. For unclean spirits crying, this is what the gospel is. Let's not this world determine our understanding of who God is. It's the word of God that determines. That's how we know who, what he's like. This is what God did through a, a bunch of, of misfits, fishermen, complaining. Who's, who can sit nearer Christ when they get to heaven? They're arguing and complaining, getting mammy to speak to Jesus to see if you can get a word in. That's what they were arguing about. They, they, they hadn't a clue what was about to happen. But now here's Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times. He's standing up preaching a first gospel message. Powerful. The anointing of God was upon him. And it says there was great joy in the city. I'm sure there would be great joy in this place if people are set free from, from things. If you spoke to somebody on the job tomorrow and what you said had an effect in their hearts and they were set free, there would be great joy. 
great rejoicing. This is what we need in our gospel outreaches. This is what we need in our churches. This is what we need in our sermons, in our schools, in our colleges, and wherever you see the Christian. This is what we need. Look at so-and-so. Their lives, they exude the fragrance of Christ. There's something different. There's something about you that causes me to thirst. I don't understand what is it. Tell me. Why do you do what you do? What is it about it that makes you so content? Many are drawn by what they can get. Many are attracted by the lifestyle, etc. And to see what they can get. Jesus said, exposing their motives, he says in John's Gospel 6, 26, he says, Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. We can have wrong motives. I'm glad God didn't save me because of my motives, because I wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be here. I didn't have a right motive. I just wanted all my problems solved. I just wanted everything to be okay. I just want everything to be sorted out. I didn't care about Christ. I didn't care that it was my sin that put him on the cross. It is only when I became a Christian that it began to realize and dawn in on me what my sin did to him. And that God saved me despite of what I am. He didn't come to call good people. He didn't call to call people that are living a perfect, righteous life, which there's none anyway. He, he came to call sinners to repentance. We've all broken his commandments. We've all broken God's laws. It, it goes beyond the external because God demands obedience from the heart. That's why it appears as if Jesus made it harder. He didn't. He was just revealing the truth of it. I say to you, even if you look, or if you're angry with a brother, that's because it's from the heart. God's not interested in our external lives. He wants our hearts. He says the word is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. It's the word of faith in which we preach. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That's a miracle. But God has a way of stripping away our supports, our strengths. He has a way of undermining the things that we put our confidence and when we're we're on when we're in that place of vulnerability, it dawns in us, Lord, show me the measure of my days the weakness, the frailty of our flesh. We're, we're just a breath away from eternity. Every one of us. We, we don't know the day nor the hour. God can demand a life in a moment. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. The Father has set his seal of approval on him. Moses and Joshua, they all served their time. They all did what they were called to do. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. He is, in a sense, the secret of the Most High. 
And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whenever Jesus says that, most assuredly or verily, verily, I say to you, listen, listen even more closely. Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. We know this. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What do you want today? Are you saved? Are you born again? The Bible says you must be to see the kingdom of God. Christianity is, true Christianity is not a miserable life. It's a powerful, amazing, rewarding, strengthening life. When you see him, you don't care about anything else. Jesus didn't come to take away all that you enjoy and for you to live a miserable life. That's not true Christianity. When he came into this darkened heart, something came in and changed me from the inside out. I didn't want those things anymore. I didn't want to be found in a nightclub. I didn't want to be getting drunk. I just don't want those things anymore because there's no joy or peace in them. They're just, they perish. It's bitter. It's, it's just an empty life. There's no hope there. But when you find him, he's the answer to it all. What is the Bible all about? Otherwise, if, if it's just a book about good advice, what, what's the point? You can put some principles into place and gain from it, but it still ends up in a Christless eternity. You can't have Christianity without Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have Christianity. Christian, have you? Have we forgotten who Christ is? Is he something way back there that changed your life and now it seems different? There's much more, much more. Jesus is no longer hanging on that cursed tree. He's risen from the dead. He, not only did he do that, but God raised him from it. Raised him out of the grave. Remember what the scripture says, that if Christ is not raised, then you're still in your sin. But he is risen. How do we know he's risen? When Christ died on the cross for our sin, he took it on himself, our sin. He died so, we did, so that we didn't have to take the rap. For you he died, for, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For if when we were enemies, were we, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Our life is in him. He is risen from the dead. He is alive. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ who is 
our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He is the bread of life. He is our high priest. He's beside our heavenly father praying for us. Isn't that wonderful? He's praying for us. We have the Son of God praying for His bride. He loves His bride. He loves her. And someone once said, I think, if God never did anything else for you, He's already done enough. We cannot measure God or who God is by our circumstances because if if we look at God from that perspective, we get a distorted view. He's ever the same. Judgment, mercy, truth, righteousness and peace have kissed. The, the glory of the cross, the, the horror of the cross, the swallowing up of all our vileness. He took it on himself completely. He is the bread of life. He is eternal life. The food of life coming from Jesus means you'll never be spiritually hungry believing in him. You'll never thirst. In other words, you get exactly what you need. Feeding on Christ, you will be spiritually nourished, satisfied and content, able to put into practice what the Bible tells us. Then they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and he asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. When you open your Bibles tomorrow morning, ask the Lord, Lord, I want to see Jesus. Not just for some kick, but I want to see the Son of God. Lord, that I may feed on your word, not for clocking in time's sake, but for strengthening, for building up that I might live this life for the glory of the God. We have to run this race to win. To win. Not just get in the gate, but to win. Run it to win. Yes, you. Yes, you. Run it to win. Those athletes out there, they, they train and they do all sorts of exercise to build themselves up for that day of the marathon. Our exercise is getting into this book. Our exercise is getting alone with God. Our exercise is communing with Jesus. Our exercise is having fellowship with him. And as we do that, the grace of God is poured into our lives. Divine enablement, being filled with the Spirit of God, life coming into us so that what we say actually affects somebody. That's what it's all about. We, you know, every one of us have an explosive message inside of us. No matter how shy you are or how awkward you may feel, look at Peter. Deny, he's saying to Jesus, I'll die for you. The next minute he's cursing and swearing in front of a crowd. I don't even know him. And there he is preaching the first gospel message. What a savior. What a savior. I exhort you tonight. If you don't know this Jesus, you can know him tonight. Just call upon him while he is near. Call upon him 
while we're still in the day of grace. You don't know what is ahead. You might say, oh, I'll wait another couple of years. I want to, I want to enjoy my for, myself first before I enter a miserable life. That's not what true Christianity is. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's wonderful. Praise God. When I look back and think the motives that I came to God were not right motives. But God's purpose is far beyond our minuscule minds. He allows and permits circumstances to strip away all our securities at times. I think sometimes we make it harder on ourselves. Lydia just believed. And she was born again right there and then. We don't have to have a dramatic testimony of being on drugs and alcohol. Why? Why, why not be spared from all of that rubbish? Why not put, why not believe in the, the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? Why not surrender to Him now? It's the greatest life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. What a Savior.